How, how is it? Is it growing? Is it... Uh, does it have vitality? Uh, just for this brief moment. Dream now and look down at the bottom of the root section. Look down on the roots there where it goes into the soil of existence. It's reaching down there for the sustenance minerals and proteins of existence. Look down there carefully. Do you see any aphids? Any plant lice? Any dream roaches? Gnawing away there? Biting at the stalk, biting at uh, the tender little. Lush. Hey, what's the matter with you two in there? At <laughs> the tender little luscious, uh, at the tender little luscious uh, uh, leaves there. There we go. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it there. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it. Hold it, gang. That's too late. See, have you looked? Have you looked carefully down there at the bottom? There's no taking something. There's a little lot of hand there. Have you looked uh, carefully? I mean, <laughs> in fact, I know a guy who spent over seven years in psychology furiously taking notes. He didn't hear one thing. He got so hung up with ballpoint pens and uh, folding notebooks, he got hung up with cross-references that in the end he didn't even know a libido from an id. And, uh, <laughs> of course, he had all the notes. You know, it, it's very, very funny about that note problem. I, I, I don't know whether or not we should discuss the dream. You know, the dream comes a lot of ways, Walt. In fact, I hate to say it, but, but recently, Adley Stevenson, you know, Mr. Stevenson gives many people, he's, he's a, a dream image to a lot of people in a lot of ways, you know, as are various leaders of one kind or another. They, they fill a certain symbolic need and desire on the part of everyone there. And uh, you can't ever get to be a leader of any kind, really, unless you fill some kind of symbolic void. And uh, Mr. Stevenson is looking out of this ad. as Because you, you see in the ads, I think you'll find the flowering of the dream more in any other place. You'll find it even more so than you will, say, in the, oh, you know, uh, the House of Seven Gables. Or any one of these officials. But speaking of the House of Seven Gables, you know that I recently spent the whole weekend traveling uh, all up and down the East Coast, Walt, on non-turnpike roads. I felt like an Okie. I mean, I felt like a truly second-class citizen. They don't even mark them anymore. And uh, the big potholes. And, and, and there's this mottled, mangy crowd of automobiles, motorcycles, guys walking, and it's a true pilgrim world out there. All of you turnpike drivers, you ought to see what's going on on those back roads. And after a while, you begin to feel like a real rotten, fat, greasy, rich son of a gun every time you get up on that turnpike. I, I, that's true, you know. It's a, it's a funny thing about that. And when you're down on the ground, Walt, say if you were to travel from here to Portland, Maine, on, on the non-turnpike roads, you're really earthbound, you know. You're driving among all the signboards and the people walking around and scratching and grandpa's spitting. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that if you, if you were to take a kid in your car on a non-turnpike drive, he would miss those big signs that say Interchange 48. You know, he wouldn't. He, no place really exists unless it's on an interchange now with a lot of people. Truly, it, that does not have. And, and, and I had a turnpike rider ask me, Walt, in the middle, uh, I'm driving along US-1, you know, which is about as earthy a highway as you can get. And this innocent turnpike rider 
You know, I was, I was driving with a turnpike person who had lived. In fact, this turnpike person, uh, favorite color is Howard Johnson orange because it represents safety. It represents serenity. It represents a kind of security blanket. You know? <laughs> and, and, uh, and here we're driving past places called Al's Rotten Diner. Ma's hamburger auditorium and all and the real the real earthy gutsy places and big dirty trucks are going past and chickens are falling out you know the kind of stuff that just doesn't get on the turnpike not those great big fat rich uh, cross country semis I mean the real rotten trucks you know the kind of I mean with the with the bald back tires truck goes past the transmission falling out well we're riding along and all of a sudden this turnpike person says well uh, how do people get across the road here <laughs> <laughs> a true turnpike ease. This person was, where's the underpass? Where they go under, you know, from the houses over on that side to the other pass. So they just run. And all of a sudden, just as I said that, nine guys ran across, you know. You don't do that on the turnpike. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to form an anti-turnpike crowd of, of guys who do nothing but, but cheat the turnpike commission of fares by traveling all over the country and rediscovering America and the back roads. Really, literally. I mean, rediscovering life. You'd be surprised at how many Model A's are still around. You don't see them on the turnpike because they can't go fast enough, you know. <laughs> but I kept getting passed by Essexes. I was, yeah, oh, yeah, the whole thing. And, and of course, after you go about 20 or... It's funny how quickly you'll become acclimated to that world. You really will. And you'll, you'll shake your fist. Uh, suddenly, you, the, the rotten road you're on goes under the turnpike. See, and all the rich guys are going past. <laughs> you see them? You say, oh, you go past in your car. You know, underneath you go. Because all of these, these non-turnpike roads sort of wander around among the back alleys and the garbage dumps and all that stuff. And you really see it. I'm serious. You really do see America. And, and uh, it, you see America... In a way that that uh, it just it's it believe me if I ever took a, a visitor from another country I would never if and he wanted to see something of America I would never put him on the Jersey Turnpike uh, put him on the Pennsylvania Turnpike now you talk about convenience I'll tell you this I find it more convenient to drive off of the Turnpike than on it it depends on what you call convenience. You'd be surprised how convenient it is to have 17,000 different types of restaurants to choose from. And not that one place where they got 28 flavors, you know? That one place where, where all the people look alike and all the families sit and gather, you know, and they've got all those little fried clams going. I, I, I like to once, to once in a while to drop them to Fred's Idle Hour Pool Room. Uh, and buy myself a, a half a pound of eight-hour cut plug. And it just comes out like that. <laughs> and, and there's a place, in fact, they have signs on certain areas of these. It says, please, please throw rubbish here. You know, now, they don't have the big signs that say $50 for throwing rubbish out of your car. They encourage it. They want to fill up the open spots. They want to fill up the holes in the road. You can throw beer cans out. What? Can't hear you. I'm sorry. I said, can't hear you at all in there. But uh, they, there are other areas, of course, of existence that you find that true of the non-turnpike traveler. I would like to give points. Like, for example, I would like to give a guy uh, ten points for, say, uh, every hour lost in Providence trying to find U.S. 1. Uh, that kind of thing. I'd like to give a guy uh, seven points for uh, making a trip from here to Philadelphia. 
without once spending a nickel on a fare, except for one rotten toll bridge that they threw across the Delaware River when you weren't looking. You know, that kind of thing. I don't know what a guy would have to do. Yeah, I, Really, I'm serious. I don't know what a guy would do today if, if he tried to get into New York and he didn't have any money. He would have a devil of a time. Seriously, he really would have a, one, one devil of a time getting in. He would have to look for... There's a couple of sneaky little bridges that I think go underwater that you can find. If you get there at the right time, you can get through. Uh, the Willis Avenue Bridge, I don't think, yeah, there's one. The Third Avenue Bridge is another. But let me tell you, you got to know New York because they are not, they don't make a big deal of those things. And all the way, this is something I learned, all the way up US-1, there are little lures placed along US-1 to get you back on where you should be, the turnpike. Oh, yeah. Like you're driving along US-1, see, and uh, the little tiny, they have little tiny signs that says, New York that way, or Nome that way, as you run along. And you're driving through the fantastic, uh, gigantic thicket of signs and all kinds of wild stuff going on. You're really digging the scene. And all of a sudden, you know, you're driving along and a great big sign says, New York that way. You turn, whoop, whoo, you're on the turnpike just like that. It sucks you up like a vacuum cleaner. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, they don't even announce to you that, that you're, you're getting euchred into another toll fare paying jazzy thing. I mean, you just, it's like a big octopus now. It really is. It used to be you couldn't find a turnpike. I, I remember it wandering all over western Pennsylvania once, Walt. One time, all over western Pennsylvania, I went into places called Dry Run, PA. Yeah, there was a Dry Run, PA. I called up a guy one night from Dry Run, PA, and he did. Come on, quit putting me on, Shepard. I says, I am a Dry Run, PA, and I'm running out of money. Call me back. And he called me back, and I was standing there in Dry Run, PA. My God. Uh, but nevertheless, I wandered all over western Pennsylvania once trying to find the turnpike. Now, oh, try to escape it. They have proselytizing signs everywhere. They have signs that lure you in very subtle ways. They don't tell you it's the turnpike. It says, uh, direct route to New York. And you figure what it is is a, is a shortcut. You're on one. You know, you figure it's a shortcut or something. Well, you, you cut across between all the gas stations and stuff, and you get on the other side. It's a direct route to New York that way. And I got on a road. This is what happened to me. I got on a road. It's a direct road. And I'm on a crummy road. You know, I'm going, this is U.S. 1. I'm enjoying it. I'm bumping along there. Direct route. And the next thing I know, I could hear the roaring in my ears, and I knew the turnpike sound. You know what I mean, Walt? The turnpike sound of guys running hell bent for election to eternity. Nobody knows where they're going or where they're coming from, least of all they themselves, and you can see those tall IBM cards flying in the wind like the proud banners of a free race, and I'm, 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 I'm getting sucked in, and once you get in on the approach, you can't turn back. Oh, it's like sin. Once you get started on sin, you cannot turn back. There are no such thing as this gradual, uh, believe me, gradual uh, way you either are or you aren't, and I can't get around, and behind me I see a whole line of guys, I'm like a Judas car. I find myself that I'm luring a whole bunch of, of Okies, like myself, I'm luring a bunch of guys into this thing. And sure enough, you could see them all slowing up and looking out, and, you know, just one way, you can't go back one way. And up ahead, you had a little house, and I said, well, I just thought it was a car. Pass goes about 17 semis and a Mercedes, and I'm rocking in the breeze. Well, I've got to get out there. The guys are all all the guys behind me, the Okies, you know, they they're frantic, and one guy starts to back up four miles because you see, I can't turn around. I can see the guy behind me; he's backing up for for the whole length. He's going all the way to Providence backwards, trying to try to elude the law. Well, you can't. 
So we wind up on the turnpike, and then you get in, and you go through the thing, and it says next, the next toll gate. It says next toll gate, seven and a half miles away. And you have to pay again, of course, you get into the next toll. So you go through the first toll, and, and I said to the guy, says, look, I, I don't want to get on this. What am I doing on this crummy thing? Ooh, another guy goes, says, what do you mean, Mac? I said, I don't want to be on the turnpike. I'm looking for US-1. I'm, I, well, US-1, how come they don't put a sign on there? He says, don't bother me, Mac. It's the turnpike here. Ooh, as if he was talking about an inferior being, you know, down there from the, the high peak. He's looking down is U.S. 1. I, I, you know, to, to a turnpike traveler, you know, have you noticed that all the turnpikes are above everything else? You always get a sense of going above all the rubble, all the crud of life, all the richness, all the variety. So you're rubble. Oh, this is W-O-R-A-M and F-M, New York. Hi, George. Funny how it reminds me. But uh, you're going above all that stuff on the turnpike. Well, uh, that, that's, that is an attitude that they begin to develop, the guys who work for the turnpikes, toward all other roads. And you have to give them an explanation why you get want to get on US-1. It's not that you want to go on US-1. It's because there is a little town that you've got to get to on US-1 that doesn't you can't get to on the turnpike. So I found myself lying to the son of a gun. I said to him, well, I want to get to uh, Pipgrass, uh, Rhode Island. And uh, he says, Pipgrass? I says, yeah, I want to get to Pipgrass, Rhode Island. It's just the other side of uh, uh, Potokawashimatog down there. It's the place, the Indian name there. And it's just the other side of Narragansett, Pipgrass. He says, well, uh, why don't you get off at uh, Exchange 79 there? Get off at uh, number 79 there. He says, uh, it's, it's just before the next toll. And I said, uh, well, it'll get me to U.S. 1. He said, well, I don't know. Hey, Charlie, uh, where is U.S. 1, for God's sake? And U.S. 1, you know, where is it? And, and uh, Charlie's in the next phone booth, you know, over there, the other guy with the official hat on. He says, well, I think you can get out at near Narragansett with honors, uh, detour now. Well, I knew that I'd better get off the next thing and just head off into the wilds again. And so I went down. It was funny to see all these guys behind me getting off at the same exchange. You know, they were all filing off after paying. It's not a matter of not wanting to pay. There's something uh, you feel against this. I don't know what it is. I'm I, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling uh, inhuman or something now when I'm on the toll gates, the toll roads. There's a, there's a certain guy. Yeah, believe me, there is a certain guy who believes in the expressways as a way of life. Actually, it's a way of avoiding life. And, uh, well, it's the Robert Moses syndrome. I don't know how to express it, except that I think Moses sees life as one vast superhighway with a final, uh, a final paradisical toll house ahead. I think he, I do. I, I, think, I think he sees, I think he must see heaven as a giant Howard Johnson, and I think he must see hell, believe me, as, as an eternal detour through the outskirts of Providence on U.S. 1. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's a funny thing, but, but I, I, I know guys who will. They'll, they'll get very angry with you if you tell them you don't buy the turnpike. They can't understand why this is so. Well, of course, it's part of the dream. Uh, part of the dream is that we can, we can, by putting turnpikes over life, life itself will be somehow as smooth as that 28-lane highway. That, that by going over a town, we have somehow illuminated that town. 
And by going over the trouble, we have somehow eliminated the problem. And so this is all part of, of, the, of the dream. You know, it's, a, it's a thing. And somebody who deliberately descends into the maelstrom is looked upon as a nut. I'm sure a lot of guys listening to me now are driving along toll, toll highways. Well, listen, you clowns, you would be surprised what's behind the Howard Johnson. All those guys walking around out there, you'd be surprised. And a lot of them never been on the toll road. And furthermore, a lot of them are really un-American in many different ways. Like that, for example. They, they don't even buy Volkswagens. They're so rotten. I mean, you'd be surprised, you know. That's a, that's a new kind of a thing. But the, they're, they're all wandering around out there, and they're voting. They're fist-fighting, and they're swearing. And you notice those little lights once in a while when you look off into the distance, and you can see just beyond the edge of those great big argon lights, those enormous fluorescent lights that you see down there on the Connecticut Turnpike Ed, those little yellow, rotten, flickering lights. You'd be surprised what's going on out there under those lights. And even what's going on behind the lights where it's even darker. Oh, boy. <laughs> it, it, it is a... It, you know, speaking of, uh, of Stevenson and that dream, and we're living in it, I'll tell you, it's, it's political and everything else. If you can find a super highway of politics, you got it made, boy. I mean, it's by superhighway, everything is marked clearly. Exchanges, interchanges, and it's all numbered. You know, towns hardly even have numbers anymore. Uh, I'm sure that Interchange 59 on the Pennsylvania Turnpike is more important than the towns it feeds and the names of the towns it feeds. Oh, yes. Oh, I I know of one town uh, that calls itself the last gateway to Exchange 63. It does not call itself... Yeah, oh no, I'll tell you where it is. It's out, it's, out, it's out near the Ohio Turnpike. And there is a little town out there that has a big sign, and it says, the last, the last town before 63. As though this is your last glimpse of humanity. And furthermore, they're proud of it. You know, they don't say the garden spot of the nation, you know, that kind of thing. The home of friendly people and friendly lives. You know, those things they used to put up in the front of times. Now they say uh, the last place before Highway 63rd Exchange. And to them, the exchange is bigger than they are, of course. And it is, no doubt about it. And they're living under the, 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 this great big concrete ramp. And that concrete ramp has much more importance and reality in their lives than these little grubby streets that they live on. The desire, of course, is on the, on the part of almost anybody, I don't care who he is, is to get on some kind of superhighway. Now, a superhighway does not turn. That's one thing about them. They don't meander. All other philosophies do. Uh, if you get into a political philosophy that takes uh, into account realities of life and man, you will find that it does not go in a straight line like the Pennsylvania Turnpike between Lancaster and Harrisburg, Dad. <laughs> it wanders all over the lot and seems to, what's even worse, double back on itself often. Again, it's reality. Uh, it's, a, it's a hard thing. So the, the closer you can streamline your political philosophy to a, a turnpike where things are very simply and clearly marked and great big signs, toll gate ahead, get money out, that kind of thing, you know. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You're going to pay now, that's all. And then there's another big sign that says, uh, fasten safety belts. Uh, there's no sign that says drop into Fred's bowling alley. Nothing like that. No sign that says uh, such things. You know, you know what the kind of signs that say today. Uh, hooked rugs for sale. None of that kind of. It says fasten safety belts or speeders lose licenses. 
that kind of d deep thinking, solid philosophy. Or drive good. That's the kind of stuff they put on the Connecticut Turnpike. That's a very moralistic turnpike, by the way, as opposed to other turnpikes. They're always coming along with these little chiding messages like, better late than dead. Well, no, that's an argument. I would like, late for what? Now, that's, uh, <laughs> that's an argument I would like to, I'd like to, to pursue a little bit further. Uh, we, uh, uh, Pennsylvania or Connecticut Turnpike, you and I can have an argument on existentialism here before it gets, gets too late. Uh, is a man traveling forever safely on the Pennsylvania or the Connecticut Turnpike arriving? Is he there? Another question, is he alive? Oh, Connecticut Turnpike. Just a question there. I just thought I'd throw that in the hopper. I don't know. Then there's always a big sign that says, State Police! I mean, that, 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 oh boy, that one throws you. Then, then, then you go along for a little while and one says, Restroom ahead! Well, that means no bushes for the next 28 or 30 miles for you. You just keep right on going. And uh, everything is in a map. <laughs> it's all mapped out. Well, they don't mark it like that on US-1. They don't have a big sign. Be careful! Charlie's rotten dog is just ahead and is going to bark at you. Nothing. You're driving along and all of a sudden Charlie's dog is out there and he's plastered on your back wheel. He's spinning around, hanging out of the spokes. Oh, 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 oh. And then you throw him off into the, into the dirt and you keep riding off. Nobody warns you on the U.S. ones of life. Not at all. They've just eliminated Charlie's dog from the turnpike completely. Turnpike. I don't know what happens, you know, once in a while when one of the... Have you ever been on the Pennsylvania turnpike? Well, they, they, that's a rustic turnpike. You'll be going along, because it's one of the old ones, you see, and you'll go along, all of a sudden the sign will say, Deer Crossing! I don't know what the devil you're supposed to do at 900 miles an hour, surrounded by 45 gigantic semis barreling towards Willow Grove, PA, with, with the refrigerator units going full blast, and behind you is a gigantic train of... of of Greyhound buses all coming with tourists from Los Angeles, and all of a sudden, 17 deer start crossing. What are you going to do, Pennsylvania Turnpike? How are you going to handle nature, you know? I, I mean, but they always take cognizance of it. I guess it means uh, uh, deer crossing ahead, hold on to your wheel, duck, and get ready for a lot of stuff flying over your head. You know, that's about it. You know, that's about all you can do. <laughs> Because I don't expect to see the day when I see seven uh, big greyhounds going off into the bushes because a fawn went across. Don't forget. Oh, not a minute. As a matter of fact, you know, did I ever tell you about the time that the turn... I'll never forget this scene. I am driving in the dark. Speaking of, of the greyhound buses, I am, dri <laughs> I am driving in the dark. I'm, I'm serious. I'm driving in the dark. In, in, uh, this was in Ohio. And uh, I, I, I don't know how many billion miles I've logged as a driver. Too many. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. But I'm driving along in the dark. Long distance driving. That's another kind of driving. And I am boring through the darkness. I am whistling along. I don't recall whether it was US-52. It was not a turnpike. I think it was a turnpike kind of thing. But no, it was not a turnpike. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, it was, it was one of the big highways, uh, four, six lane highways that go through northern Ohio and sort of loop on down through Toledo and on up, uh, around southern Michigan and up into Chicago. Well, I am boring through the dark completely by myself. I am in my little, my, my, my little coop 
and, I, and, and it's a, com a complete world. You know that world of, of the darkness all around you when you're driving, and the radio's going. I'm trying to get. I'm listening to some guy in New Orleans or someplace about three o'clock in the morning, and you're in a complete world that consists of, of center lines, uh, lines that go whistling by under your your headlights. And you sort of, the whole world is in this little thing that's encompassed by your lights ahead of you. And the, you're going over the, over the expansion lines, you know, the tire lines. And, and you just got, got that, you're hanging onto this yellow line there and you're going along. And once in a while a little light goes through past the window outside and you go through a little town as a diner. But absolutely nobody, you see. I'm going hour after hour and you get into this kind of rhythm. You know the rhythm you get as you, as you drive long distance, Eddie? There's a rhythm you get. And you know you're doing it. You know, you're going fine. You know, you're really on top of it. You're whistling along, going along like that. And it's maybe 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. It's very, very late. And, and, and the world out there, of course, uh, it's as though somebody has just erased everything. And you're all by... That's another thing you find about the turn uh, of getting on US-1. Do you know that you can drive long stretches... Uh, on US-1, parallel to the turnpike, and you feel like you're the only guy in the world driving for a while. It's a great feeling again. It really is. You, nothing behind you, nothing ahead of you. And you go for mile after mile, especially through Rhode Island. It's great. Well, I'm driving along in this turnpike one night. This is right after the war. In fact, uh, I think I was coming home from, uh, I don't recall, I think I, it's one of those shadowy things where you're making this this wild cross-country trip to somebody to see a chick or something. Anyway, I'm whistling along through the dark, and I'm in that rhythm, and I'm seeing that yellow line whistle past me, and those lights are sort of drilling a hole in that blackness, and the car is working great. You know, the, the feeling of, of, uh, of having a car that really is making the scene, it's really, it's really doing it. And everything is working. And once in a while, you check the meters, you know, and everything's going fine. The, the oil pressure is up, and, and the gas gauge is still up there by three quarters, you know, and, and it's charging. It's a wonderful feeling that it's charging. That's the one that always bugs me, because I have had some really traumatic experiences <laughs> after having gone like 200 miles in the darkness, and something's, not, it's, it's, something's a little yellow, you know, you have a funny feeling, and you look down, and it's 30 amperes. She is discharging 30 amps, and you know you are in bad trouble. Oh, bad. You talk about the pool room being trouble. Oh, boy. Let me tell you, shorted generator 400 miles out from Indianapolis at 3 o'clock in the morning is bad trouble. Well, I'm, I'm driving along that, and everything is going good. You see, and it's, it's really good, really swinging. And there was a guy I used to listen to on these long cross-country trips. I don't know whether he ever even knew this, but I used to listen to this guy, and he's talking away there. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I've got the scene going. The cards, it's just sort of rocking back and forth in a nice rhythm, and everything is going. I'm, I'm making. You know, when you, you come to those long sweeping curves, you sort of, you sort of buckle down into them. You know, you, you bite into them with the, with the right front wheel and go down low on the curve, and then you sweep back up towards the center line, and then, then, then you, 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 uh, you give it the gas, you give it more acceleration as you come out of the turn, and away you go, so you, you don't break away. Oh, you know, you're playing a scene. Well, I'm going along there. Planted fine, and I don't know how this thing, how it ever happened. I don't know what what uh, what what brought this about. Uh, I I don't know how what what rock this guy came from out from under or from behind, but I am going along, and there's a vague sense of being almost uh, borderline hypnotized. I don't know how, how I express it, except this is it. Well, I'm coming along there, and at just a sudden instant, just like that, I'm driving the car, everything's under control, when I, I, 
I couldn't figure out what the devil, what the hell's happening. You know, I think I, 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 I had the sense of, of a giant diesel locomotive somewhere is coming right at me. I am completely surrounded by light. Completely. I can't tell what direction it's coming from. Boom! My windows go. I thought, uh-oh, this is it. You know, I could just see. Booms! 2,500 feet in the air. Well, with that, this diesel, a gigantic diesel Greyhound bus, goes... He goes past me, and my car just sort of recoiled, just sort of ducked away from it instinctively. It skitters off, you know, and I'm rocking in the wake, and I can see these about nine red lights and yellow lights and green lights on the back of this monster. He must have been going, I, I, I swear this guy must have been going 95 if he was going, uh, if he was going one mile an hour. He was hitting 95 or, or better than that, because I was whistling along through the dark, maybe 80 Maybe 75 or 80. I was really going. You know? And you, you, you have a sense of invulnerability at that speed that if anything is going to come up on you, he's going to come up slowly. You're going to see him, you know. And, 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 and But no, this guy came out of the darkness, blew his horn about six inches from behind me, and ooh. Well, I want to tell you, I, 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 I've later learned on good medical authority that I would have good, been a good seven inches taller had that not happened to me. I, I you know... I, 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 uh, I, I, you know, there's a lot of things that happened to me that night, just in that instant, that, that are irreparable. But that one, that was, that was a, that was a moment, that was a moment that, that I will always classify as one of the great moments of my driving career. I, I hung onto that wheel, and it was the, it was the timing of that, that horn. It was the, it was the rush of air. It was the darkness. It was the rhythm. It was the whole scene that, that is it just absolutely emblazoned in my mind, totally and, and thoroughly emblazoned in my mind. Well, <laughs> I could tell you other stories of the night riders uh, in the dark, in the dark highways of America. And I'm sure that any guy who's done a lot of driving, uh, not on the turnpike, because to me, turnpike driving is greasy kid stuff. I mean, this, it's, it's dangerous killer driving, yes primarily because uh, of so many greasy kids out there driving. A lot of little old ladies are going along at 75 miles an hour, and that makes me awful nervous. Uh, I, I'm sorry, it does. That, nothing makes me more nervous than to see two chicks sitting there jawing away, going at 75 miles an hour, coming up behind me in their Chrysler Imperial 300. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I'll tell you, I'd rather face an iceberg in the North Sea. <laughs> I'm serious. At least you know nine-tenths of it's below the surface. Well, I, I, I remember I, I've seen more scenes. I, oh, go, go on the turnpike scene. I remember one time driving along, about 19 cars are just moving along in a great cloud abreast, when all of a sudden this chick on the inside lane decides she is missing her intersect, her, her, her exchange. Well, you know what chicks do when they miss their exchange. They just head for it, that's all. They just head right across. Well, for over 20 minutes, you could hear the sound of crashes. Well, I was right in the middle of it, you know, and I could hear boom, pow, ah, crash, tinkle. And this chick just goes in her little Volkswagen. And she goes, I could see her disappearing in the direction of the toll house, thinking these idiotic people back there, what is all this stuff going on? Look at those reckless drivers. Boom! And I could see cars leaping the inner, the middle lane there, other guys leaping into the woods and crash and the ran. Well, I'll tell you, this went on for like nine minutes before I finally got over on the shoulder. 
and she was not even aware of what she had done. Absolutely, totally unaware. And boy, and all these guys are raging. Yesterday on the Massachusetts Turnpike, did you hear that little scene? Uh, again, it's it's, and I hate to say it, this is a chick move. This chick is whistling along, a twenty-four-year-old swinger, and she's coming along in her convertible. When all of a sudden she passes her interchange, well, what does she do? Stops, proceeds to back up, and this is on the Massachusetts Turnpike, and they're going like a hundred. Well, the uh, inevitable happens. Some guy comes along in his little car, and here he sees this car coming towards him. He tries to stop. He is bracketed. Boom. And when, when questioned, she says, well, I, I, I was signaling. <laughs> oh. Well, he's dead. And, of course, she's going on. But these are things, you know, it makes you, makes, you, makes you question the turnpike world because the turnpike world is a world of fast cars and slow reflexes. And that's a wild combination. Uh, most guys who've ever, who have driven any kind of competition driving, Eddie, quake on the turnpike. Boy, I'll tell you stuff, more, more wild things are done by guys on turnpikes who obviously have no, absolutely no sense of speed at all or inertia or anything else that, that uh, involves fast driving. Absolutely none. I, and, and uh, you know, these are, these are, these are people who, who are used to driving down to the A&P or maybe down to Chick's Drive-In. That's about the extent of their driving. Once in a while, they'll spin their, spin their wheels on the gravel. Uh, you know, they think they're real tough, hard drivers. Well, the next thing you know, these clowns are out on... Oh, let me tell you, I saw a guy one day. It was a funny scene. I'm, I'm Funny, I should say funny. I'm driving along a turnpike. And uh, this was out in West Virginia. Well, a cowboy is coming along. I can see him. You can tell, I don't know, by the cut of the fender. You can tell by the whine. You can tell by the bad tires. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's, it's a funny thing. The, you know, the cowboy, you know the guy with the 57 Ford, Eddie? With the fake artificial, uh, what, what they call the continental customizing kit on the rear end. That's a sick making scene. I'll tell you that, that kind of aesthetics we'll go into some night. But, but this guy comes along and I could see that, you know, I could see that big phony chunk of metal dribbling along in the back, all rusted, you know, the kind of stuff. To, and, and, uh, he's, it's about, uh, it's the kind with the chrome strips down the side and he's got, he's got, uh, Pat on the back, you know, the, his chick, his girl is on the back in the, in the red tape. You know, Pat and Al, Pat loves Al, that kind of thing. Well, old, old Fireball comes down the highway behind me, see, and I'm whistling along. Remember, I'm driving along, in this case, in a Jaguar, and I'm going pretty good, you know. And I've got a car that you can control at high speeds. Most guys don't understand their cars are uncontrollable at high speeds. That's the big difference between a really uh, well-sprung competition car, uh, not even competition, but a car that has a, good, ha has a kind of suspension that makes her corner. These great big watermelons are not built for speed. They're built to go straight ahead fast. That's why they always seem to, you know, they say, well, gee, look at the great records they made at the Daytona and all that. Well, that's not the same thing. That's going along straight ahead, and they make this big gradual turn at the end, and they come back straight ahead. That big blimp is going. But you put these guys on the twisting roads of West Virginia doing the same thing, and you got yourself something going. Well, I'm, I'm going along, see, and I see in the little rearview mirror, I see, I see Hot Rock coming up behind me, see. Well, he sees my car. 
something about these little cars enrage the guys with the customizing kit on the back. And something about it really bugs them, see? And they, he comes along, and he goes, You know, it's one of those cars. He's got all kinds of things going. Worn steering knuckles. He's got the whole scene. He's got a piston slap that you could hear. Three Howard Johnsons ahead, you know, that kind of thing. He is about ready to throw a rod, only he does not know it. His oil has been in there for the last 6,000 miles, and is roughly the consistency of used water. And and uh, as far, and his oil as far I'm, I'm sure the color uh, is stygian, you know. And he's going. He goes past and he flips the fanny of the car a little bit, you know, to show me that he's really going. Well, on the back of his tire cover, he has in this litho, you know, the litho kind, the giant dragon breathing flame, old flamethrower is going down the highway. See, and on the side, of course, on the back, Pat loves Al. And he's whistling along with all the red tape all over the back and the things. Oh, and one more thing he had. I remember because I remember as it disappeared into the woods, seeing it snap out. He had he had one of these. <laughs> he has seen amateur radio operators. This is the newest gambit, you know. He's seen ham radio operators with the big flexible antenna. You know, this is a, a really functional item for for transmission purposes. Well, a lot of guys have got them on now just for because they look great, you know, and they flop in the wind. Well, he had it bent down, you know, with a clip in the front. So here he goes. He's got the whole scene, and he's going roughly 90 in a 45-mile-an-hour car. Well, I am behind him, and we go whistling through the first curve, and I am just going. I just want to stay as far away as I can from this guy as possible. And he goes... (laughs) Well, I see as we we come up, you know, there's a big sign that says S-curve ahead. Well, it was a, it was a very scary scene. Uh, we go into the first S, and I'm just going along. I am just going. I'm I'm hanging in there, and that's it. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going along in there, and that's all I'm doing. And we come into the first big S, which is a, which is a left turn S. We go, show. We go into the S, and I see him as he goes into the S. He drifts out. I said, uh-oh. He goes, well, he drifts down, and sure enough, as we go into the outturn of the S, he goes, and I'm going, I said, no, no, no. Silence. Off he goes through the iron fence and into oblivion. I could see nothing down. That was one of those banked highways, you know. Uh, the last I saw was that big flame-shooting dragon looking at me with its tongue sticking out green. And I saw that antenna as he flew up in the air, straightened out, and go... Whoa! What do you do? What do you do? What do you do in a scene like that? Well, uh, there wasn't much you could do. I, I made the big S, and I came down onto the, onto the, uh, onto the shoulder, pulled in. I'm, you know, I get out of the car... And by that time, two or three other cars had arrived. You know, they're, they're looking down. I could see a little smoke coming from down there in the woods. And, and we, we, a couple of guys stopped, and we sort of drift past. And with that, around the corner, around that big S-turn, comes another guy. It was unbelievable. This guy is in a plum-colored Buick. You know, he's got one of these plum-colored Buicks with the green-tinted glass. And he picked it up used, I'm, I'm sure. And there was, there was another hot rock. A bowling alley type, if I ever saw one. And he's got this cretinous look, and he comes whistling around, and he sees all of us. He must have been going 105, this clown. Believe it or not, just as we're going back across the highway to get it, uh, the first one, this second guy goes, whoop, right through the hole that the first guy made. Oh! 
<laughs> yeah, he didn't even touch the sides. This one, bloop, off he goes. Oh, my God. We're running around by this time. You know, we don't know what to do. And, and one by one. And then one guy said one, said the greatest line. He, we're running across. He says, hey, fellas, why don't we just let them all kill each other off? Why don't we just stand here and watch? <laughs> oh, my uh, you know, and and and, and so, so I, I, <laughs> I'm afraid this is what is the is is the problem with turnpike philosophies, and turnpike politics. That they never take into account that sudden unexpected twist. They never do. They never take into account the guy that's got to get the Pipgrass, Rhode Island, in 30 seconds, or the whole world is going to blow up. Forget it. You're on the turnpike. You're never going to see it. Believe me, if God appeared tomorrow night in, in Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, no one would know because he's too far from an interchange. I'm serious. <laughs> if, 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 if a second coming is to occur, it had better occur in a Howard Johnson, or no one's going to know, and on television, or it's never going to happen. But but it's a it's a it's a wild scene to see the the, uh, the 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 general belief in this country, in in turnpike philosophies straight ahead and everything marked clearly. In fact, this is what the whole point of the thing is here. There's this ad and it pours, shows poor old Adley Stevens looking at you know friendly old Adley with a with those those, those, those sort of sad eyes, uh, and he's looking out, and he's talking about a collection of books, books, and he says. How to achieve conviction and the point of view in troubled times. Adley S. Stevenson. Adley E. Stevenson. How to achieve conviction and a point of view in troubled times. And he's got a collection of the great books. Adley, I must disagree with you. That every guy I knew who had real conviction was an illiterate. <laughs> the more great books you read, Adley, the more difficulty you're going to have in, in, in establishing that beautiful turnpike philosophy that is the hallmark of, quote, conviction. I don't know. I, I don't know. And so, as that great interchange comes ahead, as you can see it coming closer and closer and closer, that great clover leaf of all, that final underpass of existence... Will you be ready with your toll? Or will you be caught with a filled-up toll card, 6,000 miles punched, and not a nickel in your pocket? Friend, how do you propose to handle... How do you propose to handle the Lincoln Tunnel when you arrive and you don't have a half a buck? What are you going to do? Yes, how to achieve conviction on a point of view in troubled times. Hang on to that turnpike and watch for those interchange signs. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.